0: Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM-1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM-930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio, from our studios on the campus of Christ. Cathedral. Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host Rick Howick,
1: and welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is one of our favorite guests, Daryl Sacera, and Daryl is the chair of the theology department for our local um, Servite High School. And, Daryl, welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio.
0: Thanks for having me again, Greg. It's always
1: a pleasure to be here. And today we're going to be talking about where our society is. And okay. it, uh, there's been so much that has come against Catholics in in recent weeks that I thought it was time for us to give a pause, inhale deeply, mm-hmm. and try to just reflect a little bit on where we are. With that in mind, you being both an expert on American culture, having Mm -hmm. had your graduate program in American history, along with your teaching of theology, you've become kind of our resident expert on American (laughs) Catholic culture. So with that in mind, I'd like you to also lead us in a brief
0: word of prayer. not a problem. Always in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we just place all of our needs and wants before you, we ask you continue to bless this program as it's outreach to million, uh, people around Southern California and beyond. You continue to watch over your church and guide it, and particularly our country, to continue to guide it through what seems to be troubling times, and always place our hope in you that in all things will be made new in Christ. And we ask this in His name. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay,
1: you and I are—we're we're not old, but we're older. Yeah, we're getting that—that that. we're Senior in our fifties. Yeah. Yes, and uh, both of us actually are within, I think, about a year or so of each other's birthday. Yes. So I remember growing up in Southern California in the '60s and '70s. We actually came out from Ohio mm-hmm. in 1968, and it was May of '68 that we got here. And I, of course, was young, so I don't remember much of, of that, but I do remember the people down the street who were, had these, there was a group of people that had long hair mm-hmm. and they wore headbands and there was funny smelling smoke that came from their house on <laughs> a regular basis. And I do remember that they yes. were called hippies mm-hmm. and my, my dad always wore this short navy haircut mm-hmm. and uh, it was a time when you identified that that was here, that element was here, this right, idea, right. but it was definitely on the weird end of the scale. No one in the culture, thought of that as being normal. That was yeah, there, yeah. but it was not normal.
0: Yeah, it was. it's an interesting time. 1960, obviously a pivotal year in American history. Um kind of well, the a lot of things happened. A lot of things happened in the 68, you know, uh, assassinations, and things like that. That's correct.
1: But... At that time, everyone kind of, I I think Richard Nixon even kind of talked about it as being Mm -hmm. the silent majority.
0: Yes, yes.
1: That the silent majority still held sway with, this is what's normal. Mm I want to fast forward now 40 years. Sure. And what used to be abnormal and weird, but present Mm -hmm. is now the norm. And those who used to be the silent majority are being picked on. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know how else to put it. What is going on with our society, Mm Daryl? And from a Catholic perspective, what are we supposed to make of it and do about it?
0: Well, I think a couple of things you hit on there, Rick, are are key to understand. Is it the majority of American society and culture actually buying into or going along with what seems to be a predominant theme, um, agenda, whatever you want to call it in the culture and the media today? And if I look at 1960, I look at the time, time of the 60s and the silent majority that Richard Nixon had identified. I don't know if there's that much more of a majority of Americans actually joining in on this. I think a lot of it is that the voices of the media make it seem much more prevalent than it actually probably is. At least that's, as, as I'm looking at it, looking at the two periods where we are now, and there's a lot of talk of similarities with that. That many Americans are feeling somewhat disconnected, even though we have things like the Internet, which connects us. We're actually, I think, more disconnected because all we see is what's on the screen.
1: Well, in in 1968 um, through the 19 early 1970s starts off, of course, in 68. You mentioned we had a couple of key assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. and Robert F. Kennedy. But you also had, uh, the, there were riots that were in the streets. Yes. You had the Chicago, uh, Democratic Party that erupted in riots that Mm -hmm. had people, uh, that were dragged off into, into, and those were all televised. Those were all put, plastered over the air. Then you had, over the next couple of years, protests on the campuses. You had UC Berkeley erupting. Mm-hmm. You had the shooting at Kent State, what well, 1970
0: right, all, or so, right? All during the
1: Vietnam era, and the yet nevertheless the, during this entire time, while that was the focus on mm-hmm. what was covered in the media, it still wasn't the majority, but. Today, as we're looking at what we've got going on, we've we've got antifa out on the campuses. Correct. Mm-hmm. If you're a conservative, you can't go without being shouted down. Mm-hmm. If you're a liberal, but not a, a left wing liberal, Correct. you have the danger of being shouted down mm-hmm. or at least being uh blackballed. Mm-hmm. I, I can think of at least one commentator who's a very well known lawyer from Harvard, and will remain nameless for a moment. Sure who is a liberal, who voted for Hillary Clinton, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. because he also was reasonable about what do you do with Mr. Trump, mm-hmm. uh, he's not allowed on CNN anymore, is my understanding. And it raises some interesting questions mm-hmm. about where are we today? Is it the same as 68? Or is this era where we've had one report come in that's cleared Mr. Trump more or less mm-hmm. on... All these accusations of um, collusion with Russia. Russia. We've got another report that's coming in soon from the inspector general that is likely to open some cans of worms about who's been doing what to whom in the government. What's a Catholic to do? We used to be part of that majority. Mm -hmm. Are we part of a minority? Are we in a society that is leaving us behind? Mm -hmm. When you hear about people that are moving, lurching to the left. Correct. The
0: church doesn't lurch. No, we hopefully watch kind of slowly. It's kind of been the, you know, the running kind of commentary in the church takes thousands of years, takes long time to make decisions. But we believe certain things are right and wrong. Yes, we do. And, And I think, Rick, what I'm looking at, if I'm analyzing this, as a historian looking back in the past and trying to figure out what happened in the past. And the thing with historians, we don't really predict the future. We're not prophets in the sense of looking to the future, what's going to happen. And I kind of reject that whole idea when I discuss in my theology or history classes, you know, on the right side or wrong side of history. History is the past, understanding the past. So kind of got to get that in our minds. What I see within the Catholic population today is we reflect what our society in which we live exists. So the things that happen in society, whether it's accepting of certain cultural norms, whether it's accepting of certain moral ideas, divorce, for example, we're going to reflect a lot of what happens in our society. So maybe what we as Catholics need to do is to focus, again, not so much on the politics of things, to look at our politicians maybe as saviors, as people who can lead us, but really to ourselves and our church and the teachings of what our church says to help us understand these changes. Because if we're preaching the truth, that Jesus talks about, we're preaching the idea of the gospel, then that transcends political party. And I think what we sometimes get caught up in, I know Catholics who do this, uh, friends of my own who, if you voted for Trump in the last election, you were considered anathema. They wouldn't even speak to you. I'm like, why is that such a, an issue? Even with their own families, you see that same kind of a thing occurring.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, that, that, but that's true amongst young people, too. Yes. Are there, on these hookup websites, sure. they'll have out there, if you were of one political persuasion, don't bother trying to right, talk right. to me. Right, right,
0: Exactly. It, it, we we've made politics a religion and allowed it in a certain degree to replace our own ideas of religion, of theology, of church going. So you have liberal parishes, and you have conservative parishes, and you kind of figure out where you fit. and You kind of fit yourself in there rather than taking that, looking at what the gospel is and how do we interpret the gospel ideas and help it to inform how we vote and how we look at laws that are recreating in our country that will help guide us in the right direction.
1: I had someone once say something about um, the rules of theology, uh, and here's essentially how how the truth is put mm-hmm. to me. It's not so much that Jesus said these are true, and therefore they are true, and we must mm-hmm. go out and preach them. They are true, therefore Jesus recognizes them right. and pronounces them to be true, mm-hmm. so we should go out and preach the gospel. And therefore, we shouldn't be shocked when we see natural law correct being a... Part of the truth that we are also espousing. So here we are. We're looking at, uh, say, New York State, for example, Mm -hmm. where they passed a bill to enshrine in their law the ability to kill an unborn child Mm -hmm. all the way up to the moment before birth, Mm -hmm. and that this was celebrated by Catholic politicians by lighting up buildings pink and and somehow jumping for joy at this. Mm -hmm. And they were making the case, some people were making the case, you should not shove your Catholic faith at us Mm -hmm. and tell us what we must be able to do. And it's not that we're really looking back so much on Catholic faith as Mm -hmm. why this is so wrong, though Catholic faith very clearly says it's wrong. Sure, it
0: informs us of that, right.
1: Why it's wrong is because we know from natural law that what is forming here is a human being. Mm-hmm. and it's forming at the earliest stages when that DNA meets each other and forms that unique blend of DNA, mm-hmm. even before it implants. It's now the earliest stage of being a human being, and that has nothing to do with religion.
0: Right. No, that that is natural law. That's natural science that tells us these things.
1: The only thing that
0: religion might play a role in
1: there is, now, what value to attach to a human right. being. Mm-hmm. If a human being is in the image and likeness of God, and at its even its earliest stages is going to have that mm-hmm. from the moment that it is created by God, then you would ascribe that that human being should be protected right. under the laws of humankind.
0: Well, again, that's the, all that's obviously true, Rick. I think what we're missing from, and maybe this is our educational system, is going back to looking at some of the founding documents of our country. You know, if you look at what the Declaration of Independence says, what's the reason for the creation of our government, or for the government of any government, for that matter? And it goes back to those unalienable rights of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. But while we all know those phrases, the interesting part about it is the phases that I believe come right before that, where it says, under nature's law, under nature's God. Now, obviously, they didn't mention a specific God. They didn't say Jesus Christ. You could imply that since they were uh, British descent, that they were referring to Christianity in general. But if you just look at the document, it talks about nature's God and nature's law. We've lost a sense of natural law uh, of a philosophy that is somewhat Aristotelian, somewhat, you know, Western in, in nature to a, what I call progressive philosophy of developing things. So the ideas develop and they grow and that's progress. It's Hegelian. It moves in this direction and that's kind of where we've gone. So we don't have a foundation on which we understand American society and culture any longer. We have progress moving forward, but to what end and from what, what past? There is no past or beginning. It's all in the here and now.
1: If you, if you have Unlinked philosophy from there being a God who yes. does not change mm-hmm. you're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio with me today is Gerald Sakara and this show today is primarily about pausing to reflect we 're in the middle of a non election year thank god yeah <laughs> it's coming soon. We have had one report come in that has kind of taken the the stress off of a lot of people, yes. put stress on more people in some ways but we're at this point now where we've had so much come at us so fast and for so mm-hmm. long, two years or so, mm-hmm. maybe longer, mm-hmm. that it's, I need to pause right? and I, I need to reflect, what is it that is causing me so much angst? Because it used to be that the Democratic Party, for example, not to get Correct. into politics mm-hmm. in general, but the Democratic Party used to have so many Catholics in it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it, it took a turn where it's definitely the pro Abortion party—that's that's for sure—and yeah. and that is that is true across in the board platforms. in every other in every state throughout the the union. And it it's become so that if you are pro life, you're not welcome in the party mm-hmm. by a number of of leaders in the Democratic or, Party, or
0: you'd find it very difficult to exist with those ideas in the part with them.
1: What happened? And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I want to go. Okay. So when we come back, I want to bring that up. What is going on, and how can we be better prepared so that when we do get into election years, we're thinking clearly. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick. With me today is Daryl Sequeira, and we will be right back.
2: Trending with Timory. This week, my guest is Father Tim Grumbach, and we talk about the new biopic Motley Crew available on Netflix. I wouldn't recommend watching it. However, it's a reminder of how effeminacy is leaking into our culture and how regaining a better understanding of perseverance is going to help really challenge men and build them up in our culture. Listen to this and much more as you check out Trending with Timory this Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on Relevant Radio.
3: This is Lee Sweeney, Executive Director of the Shroud Center of Southern California. And I'd like to invite you to an exciting event coming up Saturday, April 13th at 7 p.m. at Price Cathedral. We'll be hosting an amazing talk by two of the top world's experts on the Shroud, Father Robert Spitzer and Barry Schwartz. This is going to be an exciting event, talking about the Shroud of Turin. For more information about how to attend this event, go to ShroudCenter.com. That's ShroudCenter.com. We hope to see you there.
1: Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. And I'm hoping today we could actually bring a little clarity <laughs> to a society that seems so murky. And I almost want to describe it as that something has changed over the last 40 years, in my mm-hmm. lifetime, in your lifetime, Yeah. where we were talking earlier about coming from the 1960s, even when we had uproar on campuses mm-hmm. and assassinations and riots and the Democratic National Convention implode and all the stuff that took place in 68, it still it was recognized that's abnormal. Yeah, that's not right. supposed to happen. That's not what our society is about. Mm-hmm. And yet today we have people who are in leadership. It's almost as if we are not in a culture war, but we're in a cultural crisis. And I think some of it has to do with where our grounding is. Is mm-hmm. our grounding in God? Or is our grounding somehow away from God, maybe in ourselves, mm-hmm. maybe in something less than God, but somehow we've moved away from God, who is the God of love and mercy, and in favor of human beings at every stage, to where God is a God of control and power, and morality is whatever I want to make it, and if I'm selfish about it, so what, as long as it do not hurt too many other people? It's like we took... We took the God of Jesus Christ and replaced it with the God of Nietzsche.
0: <laughs> well, Nietzsche actually said God was dead, or we we killed the need for God. Rome has come back.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> so, what's going on, Daryl? You're our expert. We we bring Daryl in when we want to have a lively chat about all things American and mm-hmm. Catholic at the same time. So.
0: Daryl, that's that's a hard combination to bring together. I try to do my best at that, Rick. What do you think is happening? Why do you think this is happening? Well, it's interesting, Rick, that you mentioned Friedrich Nietzsche. You know, Nietzsche was the famous philosopher who said, or I call postmodern philosopher, who basically said that we have killed the need for God. And to the degree whether you agree with Nietzsche's philosophy or not, I personally don't, that is an actual insight, I think, that he had in the late 19th, early 20th century, that modern man has killed the need for God. We have become, as Catholics in our society, affluent. When we first came to this country in the middle 18, 19th century, we were the poor immigrant. We were the person without education. We were seen as a papist. We were we were despised amongst many people in the United States. Who no were Irish need apply, exactly, or no exactly, Italian need whole, apply. The yeah. whole that whole anti-immigrant feeling. And we still see some of that rising even today. Not per se aimed at Catholics in per, in per, particular. But what I think we as Catholics we've become accepted in society and we've kind of melded into it. So we've become successful businessmen and teachers and university professors and uh, and doctors and engineers. We become part of the mainstream and, and so politicians we, and politicians. Yes, and and you know we even in the 20th century there was a question of Catholic politicians. Alfred Smith being the first one to kind of looked at you know is going to bring the Pope over in the 1930s. You know John F. Kennedy asked a question: Are you going to listen to the Pope? or Are you going to listen to the the, the American people? we become settled in that faith so that a Catholic who wants to live their faith oftentimes cannot live it in that outright way, at least as the Democrat Party currently exists. I don't think John F. Kennedy today or Robert Kennedy would ever be even considered for nomination in today's Democrat Party. Very different than it was in the 1960s. You know, he would never. I mean, John Kennedy proposed the idea of cutting taxes. That would be something unheard of today. Uh, in democratic politics, for the most part, not painting all Democrats with that, that pink broad picture. But my point is this, is that as Catholics in our society, we become comfortable. The attacks that we see on our church, through scandal or whatever, I think gives us pause as Catholics to look and say, what do we really stand for? Have we sold ourselves to a material world that doesn't acknowledge a transcendence, so we look for our own material success so to I go, mark our acceptance in society.
1: I, I see what's happening in the church, and I ask, is that the same issue, too? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a convert to the faith. You're okay. not. You, you were born into the mm-hmm. faith. We're roughly the same age. You went to seminary. I went to seminary. Mm -hmm. Your seminary wore robes. My seminary was with John Calvin. And then (laughs) a funny thing happened on the way to my ordination. I became Catholic. Yes. Ruined my career as a (laughs) Presbyterian minister. But the bottom line is we both took our faith very seriously growing Mm -hmm. up. And one of the things that was so true about people who were going into ministry, you had two groups of people that I saw there, those who were who what I would call the true believers Mm -hmm. And those who were more practical, Mm -hmm. people who saw that this was an important thing to do with your life and that you can make a living at it Mm -hmm. and it was a good thing. So if you were Protestant doing this, you wanted to make enough money so you could raise your family, but Mm -hmm. you didn't necessarily, you knew you were never going to get rich, Mm -hmm. but you were going to be okay. The true believers, the ones who were zealots were pretty much drummed out of the seminary. Mm Uh, now I don't, re- I wasn't part of the Catholic seminary sure. at that point, mm-hmm. but it, it really in the Protestant side of the house, and this was more on the moderately liberal seminary that I went to as a mm-hmm. pretty conservative person, that if you were really part of that conservative side where you took very seriously, this was a call from God, that was a hard thing to make it through seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I wonder if there isn't an underlying sense for a lot of these people who are in ministry, Catholic, Protestant, and otherwise, sure. where this this hasn't become what they would call clericalism. This hasn't become almost a career path mm-hmm. instead of a call from God, and yeah. that a lot of these people who are abusing other people, they've clearly lost sight mm-hmm. of why they're here in the first place. I have no doubt that some of these people who eventually went off and became evil abusers mm-hmm. started off with a hope to serve God but they got lost along the way. What in our culture is the siren song for that? What is it that is luring Catholic priests? Some of them, unfortunately Mm -hmm. some, the majority not, but what is luring Catholic priests and other ministers? What's luring people into this abandonment Mm -hmm. of morality for selfishness?
0: You know, Rick, I don't know if I even qualify to answer that question. Um, It's, I, I don't know whether I, you know, in my experience in the seminary, whether or not there were individuals who had prayed elections towards, you know, abuse or not. I do know there were guys who in the seminary days who saw themselves as kind of social climbers, you know, getting, becoming involved with what I'll call politics within the church, seeking maybe a little bit of influence and power. I don't say that they were doing it for the wrong reasons, but I think like any other person, you're human. And if you allow yourself to get caught up in a power structure where, there, where people are praising you constantly you end up with this kind of a messiah complex yourself. And that could be your great downfall, not the idea of service of humility, of serving the other, but your own self-serving needs. And so I think that leads to a lack or a falling away from what your true vocation is. You know, with regards to abuse of power, of you know, whether it's sexual or not, I think that's all part of our own human condition. Um, obviously, the scandals within the church um, in the recent years have been things that have shocked many Catholics and those outside the church, have caused people to leave, to question the faith. And again, those things give a great deal of anger and and voice to that. But again, I see this as something as societal as well. You and I both have been in the educational profession. Uh, we see the same things happening, whether it's a classroom teacher, whether it's a coach at a little league, whether it's a person in the scouts or whatever, that when people lose sight of humanity, when they lose sight of God, and they don't focus on that, they go astray. And whatever things might psychologically have been there in the background are going to manifest themselves in ugly ways. And that was, I think, if you're looking at abuse in general, not just specifically clergy abuse, but abuse in general, I think that might be an area to kind of focus on. Again, I'm not a psychology major or a degree in psychology, but just having experienced life enough, I think some of those things oftentimes uh, lead to that. So... When we're talking about um, the things
1: that draw us away, our society then has a tendency to defer morality to whatever floats your boat, mm-hmm. as opposed to we can agree that certain things are moral and certain mm-hmm. things are not. And it's the little things then that are going to start breaking things down and, right. and leading them away. There was a song that came out a few years back. Uh, by a group called Casting Crowns, mm-hmm. and it was a song about uh, basically took a uh, Sunday school song mm-hmm. and turned it into a a ballad for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Be careful, little eyes, what you see, and then it starts talking about how it's it's a slow process of leading a man astray Correct. from following from being a faithful husband and father to having an affair and leaving his wife and and investing in this affair. Over someone that he vowed in a home, which was a home church, perhaps. Sure. Mm-hmm. That and and he's but it's a it's a slow process and nothing. What's implied in there, but it's not said in that mm-hmm. in that song, is that nothing along the way came and interfere, interfered, right. or intervened in order to stop this by saying, "Wait, we know that this is wrong. This mm-hmm. is not what you should be doing. This is not something that's acceptable." On the contrary, our society says. Float your boat. Do your own
0: thing. Uh, Whatever is good for you is good for me. Well, reflecting on that, you know, the theme of the song, looking at Our Society, I think our society has done the same thing. It's it's slowly but surely eroded things, whether it's understanding of American government uh, and the founding of the country. I mean, right now, one of the great debates in our country is, should we have the Electoral College or not? Well, if you don't understand this idea of federalism or Electoral College, and it seems like in two elections now, the popular vote has been thwarted by the electoral college. Well, the obvious loser on that end would say, "Well, get rid of the electoral college so we can win." That's not by not understanding the, the electoral college did
1: what it was designed. It to was do. designed
0: to do to give power to the states. We are the United States of America, people, and not just United America.
1: People forget that the you had large states back right. then. It was Virginia, New York, large states, with sure. large populations. And small states like Georgia was a small state, mm-hmm. even though it had large territory. Right, it had small people, people. Right, uh, New Hampshire and those mm-hmm. kind. Of, and the small states were worried they would get swallowed up by the control of the big cities. Right, and so they wanted to have some. Is assurance that it wasn't just going to be majority rule where the big cities rule.
0: And, and they wanted to make sure that the United States, that the states themselves held the majority of power. It goes to the Catholic principle of subsidiarity, that we are go to the lower level of governments in uh, governance in order to meet the needs of the people locally. But going back to your theme of casting crowns, because we don't understand that, and that's not really being taught too much today. You know, you can see online video surveys of you ask college students to say what the electoral college is, some actually believe it's actually a college that exists somewhere that's called the Electoral College not realizing it's part of an election system.
1: The degree they give is the presidency of the United exactly. States. Exactly. <laughs> That's how we get the president because he went to
0: electoral college. Oh, good. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great maybe we had something like that. I don't know. But but the point being is that I think because we don't understand our past and where we've come from, we kind of get rid of that which we don't understand. No one understands that the senators were not directly elected prior to the 20th century. And why was that the case? Well, most American students in U.S. teacher classes probably have no clue that that was not even something, that amendment was even possible because all they ever known is this so without those foundation elements whether it's one's faith when you understand the basics of the faith that do not change or you understand the basics of our country the same thing is going to happen an eroding of that and that goes same thing with moral values
1: when we look at the founding of our of our nation everything is couched in the original founding document Mm -hmm. and that money paragraph that center paragraph we hold these truths to be self-evident mm-hmm. that all men, it's part of the sexist language, but mm-hmm. they were back then, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Mm-hmm. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the most important part about that isn't really even the enunciation of those rights, mm-hmm. no matter how much those of us who are in the right to life can't believe. It's the idea that those rights come from God. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Daryl Sacera. We are talking about... In this non election year, what it is that we're being surrounded by as Catholics and how we ought to respond to it. With me today to discuss this is Daryl Sequeira, who is the chair of theology at Servite High School here in the Diocese of Orange, and we will be right back. I'm
0: here with co-owner of Wahoo's Fish Taco, Wing Lamb, and Father Scott Borgman, Judicial Vicar of the Diocese of Orange. Father Scott, you have a few thoughts about Wahoo's. Well, I think Wahoo's Fish
3: Tacos has effectively ruined Lent for everyone because it's so great. I think Mark Twain said it well when he said, Do not tell fish stories where the people know you, but particularly don't tell them where they know the fish. (laughs) Go to wahoo's.com for the location nearest you. Thank you, Father. Friends, this is Deacon Steve Greco on Empowered by the Spirit, and we have a very special message and a very exciting event coming up, a Divine Mercy Conference Saturday, April 13th from 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Santiago de Capistela Parish Hall, located at 21682 Lake Forest Drive in Lake Forest, California. This event is going to be transformative. I will be speaking along with Father Ed Broom, Father Jacob, Kathleen Beckman, Donna Lee, Annette Hills. It will be an absolutely amazing event to teach us more about how much God loves us through his mercy. For more information, contact Katie at SpiritfulHearts.org. That's K-A-T-I-E at SpiritfulHearts.org or call at 949-514-5028. God bless you all.
1: Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you from the beautiful campus of Christ Cathedral here in Garden Grove, California, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. With me today is Daryl Sakara, who is the chair of theology at the, at the high school, Servite High School here in Orange, but is also, um, a, a teacher of college students in American history because that's what his graduate work is yes. in. And we've been talking about a pause and reflection just a little bit i feel almost breathless coming out of the last 2 3 years um just to say it from during this trump era mm-hmm. where everyone has been so hyped up about so many things this Mueller report come along essentially its core issue was found to be non-existent for collusion with russia and while there's still lots of hyperventilating going on about it, the the, the air seems to be deflating from that balloon. And we're, we don't quite have the other reports coming in yet that are going to be coming from inspector generals from within, like the FBI and the Department of Justice, who very likely are going to be naming some people who did some things wrong. But in this time, it's kind of like, okay, where are we? What are we doing? We've got so many people who are saying so many things about where this country needs to go. Should we be going the way that has to do with defending a morality that goes back to our founding fathers and, frankly, goes back to Jesus Christ himself? Mm -hmm. Or do we look at these new, more uh, left-leaning ideas about humankind and morality, and especially sexual morality, and where we should be going and being free and live and let live, Mm -hmm. And where do we as Catholics come in on that? Not just how do we live our lives, but how we engage in our society, which affects how other people live their lives. So we're not just talking, Daryl, about what do we think about all this, but we're also talking about what should we do about all this. And I bring that up because there's been some discussion about going to ground, kind of just burying our heads or mm-hmm. getting out of society, take up vacation for an extended period of time from the world. Rod Dreyer, I think is how you say yes, his name, yes. uh, who talked about the Benedict Option. Mm-hmm. That was his book. And he talked quite a bit about the idea that Christians should go and protect themselves so that way they're not affected by this world. And that's never struck me as being right. Jesus mm-hmm. said, go out into the world because it's the world that needs the physician come to it. Mm-hmm. We're not the ones that should need to protect ourselves. Right. We should be going out and trying to help the world, but that means what we're bringing is a truth that the world is rejecting. so are we bringing it what Jesus is saying it needs, even though right now in political circles that seems to be out of sync out of sorts
0: it's not what a lot of maybe
1: even a majority mm-hmm. of people in the country want. What are Catholics to do with this Daryl
0: well Again, I'm I'm not a supporter of going to ground and you know going and locking myself. Well, all of them might be attractive to certain individuals. You you work for so long and so hard, and you just, maybe you give a sense of of hopelessness. And again, I think as a church we have to be hopeful that we must fill people with hope. But understand, I think that Rick, as we're going forward, this as Catholics, and you're proclaiming your faith in the way you live it. I think that's the most important thing, number one. But that you will be persecuted, you will be attacked for what you believe. And that's going to be the challenge, is I think for especially for young people. And you and I have have you know teenagers and and young adults now in in the world, and they're going to. I've got to be, one daughter that makes me
1: look like I'm a liberal. She's so yeah, conservative. Yeah, well, you know, oh, you man. and my
0: you and me both. I think you know my two older daughters are kind of the same way. I'm like, okay, and my wife and I. Wow, and so where, did, I that say, where did that come from? How do we get this? And <laughs> thank and, you, and, God. You know, but exactly. I'm like, okay, well, can you calm them down just a little bit? But it's part of that exuberance of youth. I think that they go forward and they see what is spiritually wrong. And they're trying to figure out ways to influence their own kids. Now, both my older daughters are both in education, uh, and they both teach. And so they see this and they're young people. And they've kind of taken on what I used to do and I still do in my Catholic uh, high school teaching is to live the example, to preach the gospel and to try to help these and help them realize that if you are living your faith, especially as the world sits now and you go to university or if you go into the job world, things that you hold as beliefs, if you, not even if you don't proclaim them and try to convert, but if you even mention them, they could be the possibility for reprimand, for possibly getting terminated from a job, and that we as Catholics need to be ready for that. So I don't think it's necessary that we go to ground, but maybe we create ways in which we as Catholics support one another, whether it's through supporting of Catholic businesses or politicians or whatever, that we come to realize that our faith is not to be lived in a, under a bushel basket so much, but that we can be the salt in the world, and that we can be the individuals who help bring about that change.
1: Yeah, and this is something that I think is, you're hitting on something that we haven't named just yet, but Mm -hmm. there's a reason why I wanted to have you on and not someone who wears a collar for this (laughs) particular conversation. I I have some wonderful priests that we bring on, Mm -hmm. but in this case, I wanted to have the input of a layperson Mm -hmm. on what the role of the laity really is in this, because it seems to me that... Part of, of some of the problem here is uh, a clericalism that, almost a reverse clericalism mm-hmm. that has affected people so that for a while they were looking at their popes in one way and then we have a pope now who's very different in some ways to the ways that they interpreted popes to be and they don't know what to do with him. I, I know that that's created a sense of off for that can he still be our leader? Mm-hmm. Well, of course he can be our leader, but what's he leading us in? Mm-hmm. What is the role of the clergy versus what is the role of the laity? The clergy has to do with, with leading the church itself mm-hmm. and being able to give us sacramentality. So the sacrament of the church and then the sacraments themselves mm-hmm. flow through the clergy. But the people who do the living and the dying and the and the working and the interaction, the day-to-day nuts and bolts of living out our faith, that's the laity. Right. And that's where, where we come in. How do we live this out in our daily life? How do we live it out in a society where, as you put it, if you open your mouth in a regular work environment, mm-hmm. you, you're going to, if you're a Catholic, you run the risk of, of being fired, mm-hmm. uh, of being not liked anymore and eventually fired for other reasons. Right. You, you run lots of risks. If you open your mouth at an academic institution, especially if it's a more liberal one, you run the risk of, of being ousted, of being mm-hmm. blackballed, of not being able to get the good grades, of, of being, for whatever reason, sidelined. Right. Mm-hmm. And as you put it, there's a certain sense to which we have to take very seriously the gospel message. Well, blessed are you who are persecuted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Jesus also said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Mm -hmm. You don't go courting it. No. (laughs) So what are we supposed to do as we lay people live this out and confront this? Do we take the approach that, uh, of of the Benedictine, of the the Saint Benedict option, Mm -hmm. which was to basically form your own little home churches and, and, and groups of home churches, Mm -hmm. almost like a Benedictine monastery and kind of, cloister yourselves in and let the world run amok? Or do we go out there and engage and kind of do the Don Quixote thing? Mm-hmm. Or is it somewhere in between?
0: I'd say somewhere in between those two things. It's not retreating from it, forming our own little communities that we kind of separate from there. We go back to, you know, speaking the truth. Sometimes the truth can be said in ways that are offensive, that we, you know, put people off. And as I teach my, my young students in my morality class, we've been going through the Eighth Commandment, bearing false witness, And I kind of mentioned, look, you know, telling the truth about something can be done in two different ways. It can be done in a way which is in your face, which is what we're doing, seeing politics today. You're wrong. I'm in your face and telling you you're wrong, as opposed to saying, okay, let's sit down and have a conversation and explaining the truth from a perspective. Maybe that person won't accept the truth, but maybe they'll begin to see is that we're not irrational, that we're not out to hate them. There's no some phobia that we have. But we simply are coming from a different perspective based on a truth, on a philosophical, natural law position that doesn't say we hate you. And that if we can at least come to that understanding, and I think that's very true for politics today, that we are so polarized that no matter what, you're either for us and if you're not for us, you're against us, that we can't even have that conversation anymore. There's not even a grounding on which we can begin that Uh, I'm not sure the solution to that other than for programs like this to kind of get ideas and hopefully get the audience thinking about breaking down some of those barriers. So if you've been to recent parties at your family or last Christmas or Thanksgiving or vacations, think about the conversations you had. And if there was this animosity, maybe you're the agent that can bring that back together a little bit. I, I think that's what we really need to begin focusing on, not just for our church. There's a lot of brokenness within our church, but within our society as well. And maybe, again, I will always go back to the historical, the, the foundations of our country. Maybe we can be re- re-looking at those documents and well, what did they mean? And, and to not judge people in the past, so to speak, well, they were just, you know, white men who owned slaves, therefore we don't listen to them. No, let's look at the ideas. You know, people can have problems in their lives, personal problems, personal moral failings, and still teach the truth. I think that's part of the problem that people see with, with our current president, President Trump. He's such a morally flawed character, therefore nothing he does can ever be good. I don't take that position. Yes, we're all morally flawed. But the things that he does that are good, I'm going to acknowledge it. I acknowledge the same thing in the last administration with the Obama administration. Whether or not I liked Obama or not is irregardless whether his policies were good for people. And if those policies were good, then I'm going to give approval of those policies. If those policies are bad for human beings and do not speak to the natural rights, then I'm going to criticize them for that. And I think that's what we as Catholics need to begin to look at is go beyond the partisanship. Go beyond my guy, your guy, and what are the principles and what are the things that we can say, yes, this is good, this is not good.
1: So you're saying we need to get back to the principles. Yes. So the catechesis that we need to, to go through, we need to, to reorient ourselves to why we are what we are. We are mm. Catholics who believe that God has sent his, his son mm. into the world to live, teach, die, resurrect, and then leave us with a church and a Holy Spirit to guide that church and the people within the church, the laity within the church, Mm -hmm. along with the clergy, to make a difference in the world.
0: Right. That's the essential gospel message. And, you know, as I explained to my students at Servite, and we were talking about my classes for my seniors, we do a lot of philosophy, we do a lot of world religions, and I've got guys in there who are of different political persuasions, and yet I can seem to talk on both sides of them and have them understand. They begin to see things from a different perspective. And I think that's key to understand, especially for young people today. They want clarity. They want to be kind of told the truth. They want to be challenged. And even though they may accept what I say maybe in the classroom at that moment, I'm looking at the seeds that I'm planting, the seeds of what the church is teaching, and that maybe at this point they're too young. Maybe they've had some experiences that have turned them off to the church. But they can see in myself as a teacher, a person who understands them, who accepts them, and at the same time doesn't allow themselves, allow me to say, well, you're okay, I'm okay kind of a thing that maybe that certain level of respect will have them begin to understand the other side of the issue. And that goes both ways, Rick, on both sides of the political or whatever spectrum you want to put yourself on.
1: It seems to me what you're saying, then, is that if we can remember what the principles were, Mm -hmm. we can measure ourselves and our society and make some informed judgments as to what needs to be changed. Yes, yes. Because they either conform to the principles or they do not Mm -hmm. conform to the principles. Yes, And that's something that a lot of people, I don't think, understand. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about, then, what that is. Because if we're taking this time to practically engage where we as Catholics ought to be looking at, how do we practically live out our faith in modern Southern California mm-hmm. in an environment that is often hostile, in an environment that often is progressing, mm-hmm. I'm using air quotes, progressing toward a goal that is not Catholic in its orientation, then we need to be able to engage that because of our principles and not just find ourselves, well, what do we believe? Mm -hmm. Because we've grown comfortable. As you put it, we've grown comfortable. I I think one of the things that happened to American Christianity was that we became the norm, and now nothing uh, is out of the ordinary. And no, 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 this whole thing called Christianity is out of the ordinary when we come back i want to talk about that you're listening sure. to orange County catholic radio with me today is daryl Sacara from the theology department of servite high school and we will be right back
0: The passing of a loved one is a difficult and often sorrowful step in life's journey. The helpful and supportive staff at the Cathedral Memorial Garden Cemetery, located on the 34-acre iconic Christ Cathedral Campus, are here to assist you and your family through this transition, offering a central location, serene garden-like grounds, majestic fountains, and a dramatic statuary, all set within the beautiful Christ Cathedral Campus. For more information, please visit memorialgardens.christcathedralcalifornia.org or contact 714-489-6102. I'm with Wing Lamb, co-owner of Wahoo's Fish Taco, and Father Scott Borgman, Judicial Vicar of the Diocese of Orange. And Father, I understand you have some
3: insight on Wahoo's. Well, thanks, Mike. I just thought about how much Jesus loved fish. We were always seeing him around the Sea of Galilee with his closest followers. So yep. I think, you know, if it was Lent and it was today and Jesus were here, he'd be at Wahoo's Fish Tacos. <laughs>
1: Locations all over the place. Go to wahoo's.com for the location nearest you. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope from the beautiful campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where it has been beautifully crystal clear for us today, where we are, even if the material we've been talking about has been very murky. <laughs> and with me today has been Daryl Sakara, and I want to pause for a moment. We have one section left, I want to make sure I've thanked you for coming in. Uh, Daryl has been a good and helpful friend. Uh, for many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, his background has been in church administration, in theology teaching, and in American history. And so we bring him in to talk about some of these things. And this topic is one that is kind of hard to get a handle on, but it's mm-hmm. so very important. And it's what is it that Catholics are supposed to do in a society like ours? Mm-hmm. And I, I have to go back to where we come from. You know, the Gospel of John, I think, is one of the most radical gospels, gospel messages that you can have. It starts off with, in the beginning, so at the very beginning mm-hmm. of everything, was the word. That word in Greek is logos. It means all that can be understood of God, not just a word, but the, the reflection of God, all that... The totality you can't, of God. You can't understand yes. God, but what can be understood, mm-hmm. that's what, what this word mm-hmm. is. And the word was with God, and the word was God, and that word... Became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That was Jesus. Mm-hmm. All that could be understood dwelt amongst us. He, and the rest of the gospel is this message about how he, he does a couple of things. He comes and teaches us how to be a true human being. He teaches us that God is faithful to us and will perform signs to show us that he is with us. He is the, the sacrifice for our sins. And because he came, showed us what we should do, sacrifice for our sins so we can start doing it afresh. We should now live out the rest of our lives as if we're resurrected people. Mm-hmm. And he shows us how to do that, too, by dying and resurrecting. Yeah. So that Christianity is one of the most radical things that's ever come on the face of the earth, and we treat it today like it's just ho-hum. And I think that's part of the problem, is that we don't really know what we've got. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we've Here's- lost our understanding of what we've got, Rick. The gospel message is
1: that Jesus Christ is God come to us. God has invaded our world and taught us how, first of all, he's adopted us Mm -hmm. and then taught us how to bring that invasion to the people around us. Mm -hmm. But it means we have to be willing to say certain things are of God and certain things are not of God. Now, let me invite you in to hear and to experience what that love is all about. Mm -hmm. And it does mean certain things are right and certain things are wrong. But it is so good, it is so good that it helps form our lives in ways that are empowering.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Do you think that that's the problem? That people have almost grown immune to the radicalness of that gospel? Almost as if, like an inoculation, Mm -hmm. we got a, a, a weakened form of the virus so we won't catch the real thing.
0: Right. You know, Rick, I think those are great insights into that, and I'm reflecting a little bit now as as you were talking in that first part of our our dialogue here, that we have become comfortable, and we talked about that in the earlier 70s of of our show today, but I think we look at our world and we think this is where we exist completely and totally, that what Jesus was talking about is his kingdom is not of this world. We are not to be here in this world, we are kind of transitioning, passing through this world to the eternal world. And when we get so caught up in this world and solving the problems of this world, we forget about what we are actually truly made for. This is our temporary home. We are stewards of this home, and we are here to live it to our children so that they can continue to go forward and spread the gospel message. But we exist, I think, as Catholics sometimes, that this is the only place that matters. And so we put our faith in institutions that are here and now going to provide us the things that we need here and now, not thinking in terms of what is the future going to be holding for us. And I don't mean the future uh, five years from now. Where am I going to retire? Where am I going to I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our eternal future, that our kingdom of the kingdom of God is, while it's here on earth, is our final destination in heaven. You know, Jesus does come to that that radical idea of, you know, when he presents the coin, the question is, well, who's who should we pay taxes to? You know, taxes, that's the old big American thing. You know, we fought a revolution over taxation without representation. And yet Christ says, well, whose head is on the coin? And it's Caesar's. Well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's.
1: What's on the dollar bill? It's It's Washington's. give to Washington's what is Washington's,
0: right? (laughs) Same thing. And yet we put in God we trust on that, which is kind of the irony of that. And I know there are people who want to get rid of that. But even on that currency, in God we trust, realizes there's two things here. There is the secular support of government, which we need. And there is the God which we trust. Now, how much of the God we trust do we realize on that dollar bill or on that coin? Are we truly trusting God, or are we trusting in Washington to provide us this? I mean, Washington, not the person on the coin. Right. But (laughs) the city of Washington to provide us those things we need. And I think, to a certain degree, I think we in the church have kind of fallen victim to that. You know, how many government grants can we get to support our programs? Maybe the question is how many government grants we get, or can we write them, but how much we as a church are going to support the poor, the elderly, the disadvantaged in our society, without depending on Washington to do that.
1: Well, and, and what's the purpose? The purpose isn't to make a heaven on earth. Correct. The purpose... Is not even to create justice on earth, though we strive for justice. Mm-hmm. The purpose is to bring people to Christ. Right. The purpose is to bring people to God. The purpose is to bring people to heaven. Mm-hmm. Our job with our children isn't to make them the best doctors and lawyers and, yes. and engineers possible, though it would be nice if they did that, sure. and we strive to help them do that.
0: Well, if they're going to be doctors. get them to heaven. Right, but if they're going to be doctors and lawyers, Rick, they should also be in their careers striving in that same direction. I mean, we have a lot of attorneys out there. How many of them are good attorneys? And I don't mean by they can win their cases. How many millions of dollars they can win? I've
1: got three jokes I could tell you right off the bat on that one. <laughs> I'm, resisting, I'm yeah, resisting. Okay,
0: well, we will go on that yeah. joke level. Or a doctor or an engineer or in the biology field. My daughter's going to graduate from college with a degree in biology. Will she be the kind of biologist who's going to understand the importance of life? Or be the person who can do whatever because science can do it. Allow horrible things to be done with scientific technologies. So where is that foundation that we can we don't separate our career from our faith that those two things must inform each other, and I think for a long period of time in our country's history we've done that. I believe that since really since the end of the Second World War, we've become removed from that idea. We we don't realize we've done that. You know Alexander Solzhenitsyn came in the 1970s and gave address to Harvard University and pointed this fact out. In fact, I use this as part of one of my lessons at my, at my class at, at servai I had my students read it and it says, what does this say about us today? And this was, a, 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 like I think it was on the 30th or 40th anniversary of the speech. And it was striking to see what he said back then about our society, and it still rings true today. And he came from a society that was godless, that was communist, yeah. that had no God in it. And he was recognizing the same mistakes that were made in the Soviet Union where he existed and was imprisoned. That he's seeing, seeing happening here. Now, we're not going to be, hopefully, we will not be imprisoned in the way that people in the Soviet Union were. But are we not imprisoned by our own thoughts in the material world and rejecting the transcendent reality of who God is?
1: And as long as we stay in the, the this transitional world, if we sin and we don't think about eternity then it's more convenient to stay in that sin mm-hmm. than it is to think about eternity.
0: Or to try so to justify that sin.
1: Really. It all becomes its own vicious cycle, keeping mm-hmm. us away from contemplating eternity with God, mm-hmm. uh, where we can have that proper motivation to bring love and therefore hope to the lives mm-hmm. of the people around us, through whether it's the soup kitchen or through trying to make it more just equality because I'm a mm-hmm. lawyer and I'm going to, do some pro bono work in order to try to bring about justice in whatever this this mm-hmm. unjust law might be. What whatever the issue is, if our motivation isn't of God, it's not going to be life-giving. It's no. always going to be selfish in the end somehow.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's the one thing. You know, when we started this talk off, we were kind of saying, okay, it's time to pause. We're in between election years, mm-hmm. we're in between um reports coming in. Mm-hmm. But there's so much clatter out there, so much monk, murkiness, gunk. And yet what really is the light in the darkness is that Jesus says, look, you're all going to die someday. Mm -hmm. Now, what are you going to do with the brief amount of time you've got to bring the people around you, with you, Mm -hmm. to me? Mm -hmm. And that means both in how you act as a calm society, but also how you act as a parent, a father, a mother. How you act as a citizen, how you act in all that you do, how are you bringing people to me mm-hmm. and that's done one soul at a time, yeah, and it 's done out there, not in retreat mm-hmm. and it's done bravely though wisely
4: mm-hmm.
0: and it's also recognizing, Rick, that we as a church as a community need to support one another, you know in our local parishes that's where it's going to start. you know those changes will affect society start in our local parishes. if that's not taking place in your parish, then that's where you begin. Well, and that's
1: where we go back to the priests. Mm -hmm. Clericalism would be solved if we acknowledge that priests are a different breed than we are. Yes. They are here to bring sacraments to us. A priest relates God to the people Mm -hmm. and the people to God. But once we have the power of that Eucharist enlivening our souls, it's up to us to leave that parking lot and go out into the world for Mm -hmm. the rest of the week. If we can come back for daily mass, great. But if Mm -hmm. you can't, what are we going to do in our society every day of the week bringing that eucharist that we just received to the people around us and if that isn't on our minds while we're interacting with the people in our lives then we're going to lose this culture war Mm -hmm. i've just run out of things to say (laughs) Say, i don't know that we've solved the problem but i think we may have the bottom line is jesus christ is here if he's not enlivening us then we've already lost it. Mm -hmm. So everyone needs to be doing
0: that. Yeah, and again, it's not left to the priests to be able to do that because the priests are, as you said, Rick, they're they're giving us the sacraments. They're giving us the nourishment. And so for us as Therefore vital,
1: and we pray for them daily.
0: And therefore we have to, as laity, take advantage of those sacraments. You know, so often my students say, well, Mr. Sakara, you know, I don't have to go to Mass on a Sunday. I'm like, why not? Why don't you... uh, You're not receiving the Eucharist then. How are you being spiritually fed? It'd be great if we go to Mass every single day. That, for most Americans, most people, is not a reality. But at least that once a week, connecting with our parish, you know, God gave us the death Sabbath day to rest. How often do we take as a day of rest?
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> Daryl. first of all, I want to thank you again for coming on and talking to us. This has been a tough topic, so again, I want to thank you for the no bravery of coming on and dealing with it. It's a tough topic because it really is asking the question, how do we as Catholics – be fully Catholic in a society that doesn't want us to be Catholic. Mm -hmm. And how do we do that without being too uncomfortable? And that's really the issue. You can't do it without being uncomfortable, but if your eyes are on Jesus Christ, then it won't matter. Mm -hmm. Would you please lead us in a word of prayer?
0: Sure. As always, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we pray for the grace and the strength to continue to be witnesses to your gospel message in places where we work and the people whom we meet, that we may bring the love of Christ to everybody, and therefore bring about the kingdom of God both here on earth and in heaven. And we ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. In
1: the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Once again, you've been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Daryl Sacara, who is the chair of theology for Servite High School. Servite High School is located where, Daryl? In Anaheim. And so people who would like to have an education for their children with someone like you, mm-hmm. uh, how would
0: they get a hold of that information? Uh, they can go to the Servite website, surveyhs.org. Uh, that's probably the best they, way That's to do probably it. the best way to do it. Or they can contact the school directly. And inquire as to, you know, having their sons. It's just, it's an all-boys school, so sorry, ladies, but for, for young men who are interested in getting a great education here in, in Southern California, contact the school. Let them know.
1: And the Diocese of Orange has all-girls schools and mixed schools, and if you would like to have more information on that, you can contact the Diocese of Orange at com. And you're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. If you'd like to have a copy of this or listen to this again, you can go to our website at OCCatholic.com and you can listen to our podcast or send it to a friend. So, Darrell, once again, I want to thank you. And for all of our listeners, thank you for listening. And we will see you again next week.
2: of Trending with Timmery. This week, my guest is Father Tim Grumbach, and we talk about the new biopic Motley Crew* available on Netflix. I wouldn't recommend watching it. However, it's a reminder of how effeminacy is leaking into our culture and how regaining a better understanding of perseverance is going to help really challenge men and build them up in our culture. Listen to this and much more as you check out Trending with Timory this Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific here on Relevant Radio.
3: Friends, this is Deacon Steve Greco on Empowered by the Spirit, and we have a very special message and a very exciting event coming up, a Divine Mercy Conference Saturday, April 13th from 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Santiago de Capistela Parish Hall, located at 21682 Lake Forest Drive in Lake Forest, California. This event is going to be transformative. I will be speaking along with Father Ed Broom, Father Jacob, Kathleen Beckman, Donna Lee, Annette Hills. It'll be an absolutely amazing event to teach us more about how much God loves us through His mercy. For more information, contact Katie at SpiritfulHearts.org. That's K A T I E at SpiritfulHearts.org. Or call at 949-514-5028. God bless you all this is john romeri director of music at christ cathedral in garden grove california we are just months away from the dedication of our beautiful cathedral but in the meantime we have some spectacular concerts at christ cathedral check out our website at christcathedralmusic.org or our facebook page at
0: christ cathedral music we'd love to see you here christ cathedral concerts great music in a sacred place for tickets visit christcathedralmusic.org